What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 62 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you, as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. I love running into people who are uh, fans of the podcast and fans of all the amazing people we've gotten to speak to. I was having lunch this past week with a good buddy who lives across town. I don't see a lot. And he was sharing with me some of the lessons he's learned, some that friends of his are learning. And I love getting that feedback because you always hope that these are as helpful to you as they are to me. You know, when this whole idea came up, this dream of if I could sit down for lunch with these great leaders what would I want to know and what would I ask? And then the thought that you get to listen in is just awesome. When you take time to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher, it helps us so much. A year ago, this was left on iTunes. This podcast offers tons of encouragement, information, and ideas from inspirational leaders across the country. Take a listen, and I'm sure you'll agree this podcast is ideal for anyone looking to develop in their own leadership. Thanks so much, Dustin Davey, for sharing that. Thanks for all of you that maybe today push pause now, go to leave that review, because it does help others find their way to this podcast. Well, there's been a gentleman that I've been trying to get on this podcast since we started, and he is one busy guy. But thankfully, our paths were finally able to connect, and we were able to sit down to talk about his newest book, Double Blessing. His name is Mark Batterson. Mark is a pastor in the Washington, D.C. area of National Community Church, one church now in seven locations, but I remember when they were just starting around the time North Star was starting. And I followed their journey. And of course, I've read all of Mark's books. Uh, Circle Maker is probably my favorite one that I've read up until Double Blessing. But man, you may know him as a New York Times bestselling author. You may know him as the pastor at National Community Church. Many of you know him from the great stuff he puts out on Twitter and Instagram and all the encouragement he gives folks that are around the country. Many of you, though, that know Mark know he's one of the kindest, nicest people. And that was just what I found him to be. I am so excited for you to be able to listen in to a guy that I respect so much. And his stuff on Double Blessing is so, so good. So I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in to my time with Mark Batterson. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining me today on Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you. Well, Mike, it's a joy to be with you and uh, fun to, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in my office above Ebenezer's Coffee House and uh, I, I see you with uh, some baseball mitts on your shelf behind you. And uh, I, I just happen to think that's kind of fun. 
Oh yeah. 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 You were a basketball guy. I was a baseball guy. So we, we, yeah, we both came out of the shoot at about the same time and our careers ended up in the same place. We didn't end up in our career that we thought we were in. Yeah. Well, and, and you didn't end up in uh, major league baseball and I didn't end up in the NBA, but it's okay. Hey, listen though, you're living the dream in that city. You're killing my Braves down here. We We win the regular season, but can't win the series. I mean, it was a Cinderella story, and uh, but I have to say, Mike, the whole city of Washington has been was sleep deprived because of that. Oh world. my gosh! I mean, we just we were up late so many nights that uh, I, if we hadn't won, I think it would have been a very irritable. Uh, city, but uh, fortunately, we, we did win. <laughs> oh man, that is so good. Well, Mark, so many people know you. They know you not only as as the incredible, you know, groundbreaking in a lot of ways. What y'all have done at National Community Church with Ebenezer's and all your campuses across the city, and how God's using. But so many incredible books, and I know so many small groups across the country have used Circle Maker, and God has used that. But I noticed you said about your new book that we're going to talk about today, Double Blessing. It was one of the hardest ones you've written. Why, why, was, it, why was it hard to get out of the shoot and get going with? You know, I wonder if, uh, I mean, I might as well just keep it real. You know, when I write on different topics, you know, I, you wonder what the perception is going to be or what people think. And when you title a book, Double Blessing, you're, you're kind of afraid that people are going to think health, wealth, and prosperity. Yep. And uh, so I kind of debunked that idea pretty quick that, uh, listen, it's not a picture of an exotic vacation, hashtag blessed. Um, so there, it, you know, I had to nuance a lot of things. And the other thing, Mike, you, you know this from your personal experience, what we perceive to a, be a blessing is sometimes a curse. That's right. And, think to be a curse is sometimes a blessing in disguise. And so I didn't want to write a book about blessing that didn't go down 17 layers and and really have a nuanced understanding of what does blessing really mean and how do we experience it in our lives. So I think that's what made it hard that I had to language it maybe a little bit more carefully. Absolutely, because it is so easy to take that the wrong way. And I love how you go early in the book back into the Old Testament and you'll talk about Elijah and Elisha and that double blessing that was asked for. If you look back at your journey, Mark, and I know you started out first church, didn't go like you thought it would. The one you tried to plant in Chicago at the ripe age of 22. I yeah. believe you. Listen, we knew a lot more then, though. We did. We knew about everything. <laughs> yes. So if you could go back, understanding what you understand about this whole double blessing now, what do you think would be different about your life if you could have gotten this at 25 and understood it? Wow, that's a great question. Well, I, I think, and it's not easy to answer because it's a little bit of that uh, playing counterfactual. Um, that's right. But, you know, I think I've learned that the more generous I am, the more that I bless others, then I can't contain the blessing that God gives to me. So I think it probably would have expedited uh, a few things in my life that, uh, and I'll give a practical example. 
you know, the hardest thing probably for me to publish was the 115 life goals that are in the circle maker, because those are so easily misunderstood. Like you can question people's motivation, but let me back up a little bit. You know, early on in my twenties, I started setting goals and financially they were all getting goals. It was all about, Mm. Hey, when, when can we hit this benchmark or could we possibly become financially independent or, you know, retire this, you know, and it was all about me, myself and I, and, and then a, a switch flipped and I started setting giving goals and it became so fun. Um, you know, John Wesley said, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Yep. And, uh, you know, I set some pretty audacious, audacious giving goals that let's just say, Mike, it wouldn't have happened on a pastor's salary. Uh, <laughs> but God knew my heart that, you know, eventually we want to reverse tithe. We want to live on 10% and give 90%. And so I think if you put your heart in the right place, then if I remember right, there's something about opening the floodgates of heaven and pouring out more blessing than we can contain. Um, But it really starts with making sure that our heart is postured the right way towards God. Well, that's so good. And man, I loved when you talk about the difference your father-in-law made in your life. And you talked about being at his funeral and standing at the edge of that coffin. Share with everybody a little bit of that story and what really began to transform in your heart during that moment. Yeah. Well, my father-in-law planted and pastored a church for 31 years. (coughs) Uh, Planted and pastored a church for 31 years and was used by God in some amazing ways. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, Mike, the godliest person I've ever known. Mm. And in some ways, shoes that seemed too big to fill, but he was a mentor and a model for ministry. At the age of 55, he had a heart attack. And this was like a few days after a doctor said you could drive a Mack truck through his arteries. Like so it was given a clean bill of health. And so um, we were in shock. And I flew back to Chicago with my wife and there I am standing by his casket, like not even knowing what to think. Mm. And I don't even know what came over me, but I just, I prayed in Elisha prayer. I just asked God for a double portion of his anointing. And I don't even think I knew what I was asking for, but I believe that Really, everything the Lord's done in and through me, I think it's honoring that prayer. And it goes back to this idea that success is succession. Listen, our legacy right. is those who go further and faster than we did, who, who you know, take the handoff from us. And uh, they're the ones who are able to push the ball down the field. And so... Um, I think that was a pivotal moment in my life. And I trace so much of what God has done in my life. Honestly, Mike, back to like three or four prayers that he's answered um, beyond what I could have asked or imagined. And, and that's one of them. Why, why do you think even as a pastor, I mean, we, we both sit in that seat. Why do you think even as a pastor, we are afraid sometimes of those bold prayers? of really stepping out there and saying, I, I am going to ask something that's, that's out there to me, but not out there to God. And we know that, 
Why do you think we inhibit ourselves sometimes? It's probably because our ego isn't fully sanctified yet. You know, I mean, we, we don't want to embarrass ourselves. And so we think we have to protect God. We think we have to catch the Ark of the Covenant. You know, we're, we think we're the ones that have to keep it from falling. And uh, listen, you know why God gave us a Sabbath? I think it's to remind us that, one, the world doesn't revolve around us. <laughs> and two, guess what? You can take a day off and God is still going to keep the planets in orbit. It's going to be okay. Um, so I think, uh, you know, we try to save face and in a sense, play it safe. But, you know, on my best days, Mike, I'm dreaming these God-sized dreams that, one, I'm going to look foolish uh, if God doesn't come through. Um, but two, if God does it, then people are going to laugh at me if I take credit for it because they know it's not something that I was capable of doing. Man, that's so good. That is so good. And I love in the book, you, you went back to that old prayer, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you, be gracious to you, turn his face towards you and give you peace. And you began to break that down. That was probably one of my favorite sections in the book. And, and that, that uh, all the different meanings behind that, but one of them I could tell really resonated with you. And you said it was that fourth meaning of Barak to speak words of excellence about. And you talked about how the words of kindness that are spoken into your life mean so much. Why is that such a part of being a blessing to others and how people have been a blessing to you? Yeah, because, um, you know, that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is not true. That's right. um, and our words have prophetic power. Mm. Um, you know, I, I don't want to get too theological, but language is part of the image of God. Because it, it's, I'm not saying that animals don't communicate. Um, in fact, I love you know I'm interested in about everything. So one of my favorite recent books is uh, a book on trees and the way that they communicate. Um, so I love this stuff. But our language is, is evolved language is unique to the human species. And it's, it's a part of this image of God. And so whether you're a coach or you manage people in a business, or of course you're a pastor, um, but you're in some scenario where you use words, you are giving people a tremendous gift. And, and Mike, I would like to even push the envelope here and say two things. One, um, even more than words of encouragement, I believe that God's called us to be prophets, to speak yeah. prophetic words into people's lives. And, and that's when the Holy Spirit tells us what to say and when to say it. So discount, don't discount yourself. Um, if, if you are, I don't care if you're a teacher, a lawyer, an Uber driver, you are a teacher prophet, mm -hmm. a lawyer prophet, an Uber prophet. And then I would even say you're also a priest that you are part of the royal priesthood. So think about it, that, that priestly blessing that was pronounced thousands of years ago in the wilderness, um, that is now, it's often what we pronounce as pastors at the end of a service. But the reality is, no, it's the people walking out 
who are the royal priesthood. So it's your job to be that blessing, to offer a priestly blessing to everybody that you work with, that you go to school with, that you share a locker room or a boardroom with. Uh, you are the priest in that scenario. And so uh, may you live up to that calling mm -hmm. as a prophet and as a priest. You know, you, you talked about in that section, you have a file called Nice Notes. And that's what I call my, the funny part is I read that I went, he's got the same filing system I've got. They're nice notes. I couldn't find them. They weren't filed under nice notes. But it's amazing how the smallest text, the smallest email will just speak words of life. And they just, they really do. And, and the Lord knows how to bless people and speak that the prophetic words at times, right when we need them. And I think it's easy, Mark, to look where you're at now and go, wow, that's easy for Mark to say now. I mean, they've got a, they've got multiple campuses. They're sprawling all over DC, but it wasn't always that way. You, National Community Church was truly a community church for, for a good period of time. And you made a statement, and I'd love to hear you talk about it a little bit for guys that are out there that are beginning in their careers, they're, they're, they're grinding away as in a, a graduate assistant at a college, at a, at a baseball program or a football program, or they're just starting out. You, you said this, dream big, start small, here we go. Yeah. Walk us through a little bit about your heart behind that. Yeah, well... Let me, let, me, let me start by saying we just walked through a building project. And by, by the way, it's a city block in D.C., which I would have not had a category for. And, uh, Mike, you'll appreciate this. You know, someone has told me that 65% of pastors quit after a building project. Mm. And it made no sense to me until I went through one. Yeah, that's legit, man. <laughs> I mean, it, it takes a toll. Um, I, I want to be careful here because, you know, again, the cost of living in D.C. is is unbelievable. But right now, um, it's uh, we're about forty five million into that project. But let me back up. Twenty three years ago, I remember when our monthly income as a church was two thousand dollars, and it cost sixteen hundred to rent the school where we met, and our salary was four hundred dollars, and and uh, that had to cover all other expenses. So I, when I say start small, you got to be really good at learning those lessons early on. And I would also say, if you do little things like they're big things, God's going to do big things like they're little things. And mm. so there are no little things. Whatever you're doing now, you are setting precedent and, and I would even say that if you do it right, you're setting yourself up for God to be able to then bless it. You, uh, as you grow larger, but your responsibilities increase, your limitation with people probably decreases a little bit because your schedule gets crazier. And you talked about even the parable of the Good Samaritan, and you talked about sometimes our religious routines cause us to miss the divine appointments God puts in our path. What do you do to protect yourself as a leader from missing those divine appointments God's created for you? Yeah, I think the easiest answer is when, when we pray at the beginning of the day, I, I think 
neurologically, I think it sanctifies a reticular activating system. It's this cluster of cells at the base of the brainstem that determine what we notice and what goes unnoticed. You know, when, when I don't pray, um, I miss stuff. And when I do pray, um, it's crazy. I'll bump into people that I've been praying for or I'll yeah. see opportunities. Um, in fact, I, I like saying it this way. If you pray to God regularly, irregular things will happen on a regular basis. And so <laughs> I would say that, that, you know, the short answer there would be prayer is that that's what's going to allow you to notice the things and allow the spirit of God to prompt you and discern kind of what you need to do and how you need to be obedient uh, to those different promptings. You know, you guys had a passionate uh, pursuit to not just be a church in Washington, D.C. You wanted to you wanted to be a movement. You wanted to do something. And you talked about probably one of my favorite passages we, we use all the time at our church, seek the peace and prosperity of the city, which I've carried you into exile. Pray the Lord for it, because if it prospers you, prospers, you too will prosper. You guys had a passion to see that happen, not just to be blessed at National Community Church, but to be a blessing in the city. Tell everybody a little bit about what God has been able to do through that, not just planning a church in the city, but truly going to reach that city. Yeah, and that that really is where a theology of the city starts, and right there in Jeremiah 29. And so we're not trying to just build a church, trying to bless a city. And so um, we resettle 65% of the refugees in the D.C. area. We're helping them furnish apartments, helping them you know, learn language. And when you do that kind of thing, it opens you, it gives you the opportunity then to share the gospel. I'll give you another example. We're uh, building out this city block and we'll have about 20,000 square feet of kids ministry space, but we're going to let it double as a child development center Monday to Friday. Now, why would we do that? Well, for starters, it's one of the mayor's top initiatives. Mm. You know, we know for a fact that there are 20, 22,000 kids who are baby to three in age, and there are 7,000 childcare spots. So there's one for every three children. Well, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could meet a real need in real time? By the way, it will revenue stream, it will help fund the kingdom. And then we get to really lay a foundation in kids' lives. So I think it's just thinking in, in terms that are bigger and longer. And, uh, you know, we think right here, right now, God is thinking nations and generations. So let's not get too myopic. Let, let's realize that God is up to something. In fact, in light of that passage, Mike, you know, we always say, what, what do we need to be doing now that will make a difference 70 years from now? Because that's mm -hmm. how long that act, exile was. And we tend to just think about our lifetime. But we have this little hunch that the city block that we're building out isn't even for us. That's it's right. for the third and fourth generation. And, uh, and so we're hoping and praying that we'll set them up to be an even bigger blessing than we are. For every person that grabs a copy of this book and they they lay their hands on it, a lot of them will be picking it up over Thanksgiving, Christmas. They finally get some of that Sabbath, get some of that downtime, and they begin to read. What's the biggest takeaway you hope they have? Before original sin, there was original blessing. Mm. This is God's most ancient instinct. 
And, and so we've got to rediscover God's heart towards us. I think that's where it starts. And, and then I would say, um, my wife and I live by this little uh, motto, flip the blessing. Mm. And it is so much fun that every blessing that, that we're on the receiving end of, we try to find a way uh, to flip it, have fun with it, to be a blessing to other people. And, you know, Mike, when you do that, you discover that, shocker, Jesus was right. It's more blessed <laughs> to give than to receive. And so uh, I, I hope that people uh, uh, learn how to flip the blessing as they read the book. You have a gift of telling stories. I think one of the reasons your books are so easy to read and they're and they're great for guys like me that you go back, there's always a great story. There's always some background. There's some history. And you, you're able to take J.C. Penney's story in the book and use it to impact our lives. What do you want the story of Mark Batterson to be that somebody's telling later? That one of your children is passing on to their kids one day. Let me tell you about my dad. Let me tell you who he was. What do you want the story of Mark Batterson's life to be? Wow. Well, I I got very sentimental as you asked that question and very reflective. You know, I, I might go back to a season in my life where my wife said to me, this isn't what I signed up for. That, you know, I was going too many directions and I had to put some boundaries in place. And that's where I began to really wrestle with what is success to me. And I came up with the definition, Mike. It's when those who know me best respect me most. And so at the end of the day, I want to be famous in my home. And I'm so far from a perfect husband or a perfect dad. I, I fall for, so far short, but I think my wife knows, I think my kids know that I love them more than the church I pastor. I love them more than the books I write, uh, that they are the ones that uh, I really care about what they think of me because they know me best. And so I think that legacy at the end of the day um, w- would probably be that um, the people who know me best respect me most. I, I think I could uh, be pretty happy at the end of the day if that was true. Well, I can honestly say this. My time with Mark Batterson did not disappoint. What an incredible leader and what an incredibly kind man. You know, if you follow Mark for any length of time, you see how much he loves his kids and he loves his family and he loves his church and he loves his Lord. And boy, it comes out in his writing, it comes out in his speaking, and it oozes out of his pores and who he is. The whole thought line of double blessing is so, so good. Man, what a great time to go out and pick up a copy of the book. We've got a link on our show notes where you can order the book straight from Amazon or you can visit Mark's site also there in the show notes and order it there. But it is a great holiday read. We have so much to be thankful for. And during this Thanksgiving season, there's no greater way to show that than by blessing those that are around you. And when you've been blessed, it is such a blessing 
to bless. And when that double blessing was asked for in the Old Testament, it wasn't to keep for themselves. It was asked to share with those that they love. And I hope that you will do that. When our next episode of Lynch with a Leader, we get to sit down with the president of Equip, John Maxwell's group, Equip, one of John Maxwell's company, his nonprofit. We get to sit down with Terrence Chapman. Terrence is an amazing leader and just a joy to get to know. We were able to sit over lunch here in Atlanta, get to spend some time together before we did the podcast, and just an absolutely delightful gentleman and just a guy that you see God using in incredible, incredible ways. Well, thank you again for joining us today. I can't wait for you to join us again next time. If you didn't get to leave a review earlier, please do that. Share this podcast. You can go straight to iTunes and you can share that with those on your social media platform. We just want the word that out there that you can be the leader that God created you to be in the space and the place that he has put you. Well, from my family to yours, I wish you the happiest of Thanksgivings, and I hope you have a great, great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.